Chris, thank you very much for joining me here today on Brand Appeal. And I have a quick question for you. What is it that you want to be known for? What do I want to be known for? That's an awesome question. Hope it's going to be something good. You know, your name is your reputation and your reputation is the shadow of the tree that follows you around. I hope that when people think of me, they're thinking of that's, you know, they're friends and family. (laughs) Then they're going to be thinking, oh, that's the guy that's kind of an idiot. And he says funny things, inappropriate stuff sometimes. Clientele and people I work with, they're going to go, that's the guy that helped me out with my business or helped me make sure that my family was taken care of or he was looking out for my best interest. There's different audiences sometimes. (laughs) Exactly. There are different audiences. And The great thing about our brands nowadays and our reputations nowadays is we get to be a part of that story. Exactly. It used to be your reputation wasn't written by you. It was the perception people had of you. In some places, they say perception is reality. Whether you want it to be or not, what people perceive of you is probably close to the truth. They say 50 million Elvis fans couldn't be wrong. If it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, it's it's probably a duck. If you're the guy that's out there helping people and doing the right thing, that's going to be your reputation. That's going to be your brand when it's all said and done. Yeah. And it's very important to understand how people are perceiving your message. The intent isn't what matters. It's the perception that does. Right. I have an insurance agency. I deal with life insurance. It's a heavy subject. People are talk, going to somebody's house and talking to them about, well, one of you is going to die. What's going to happen to the other one? You know, it's not a real giddy conversation, but you can lighten the mood and you can try your best to make it palatable as much as possible. And anybody that's ever followed my business on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever, they see the memes and things I make, you know, sometimes it's a little lighthearted take on things. And we're still talking about life insurance and making sure that you have what you need or the disability coverage or whatever. There's times when I'll be sitting with a couple, they're looking for something for burial insurance, say, and I'll show them a $10,000 policy and a $15,000 policy. And they go, what's the difference? I'll go, well, this one, is your funeral, but this one is your funeral and you can have an open bar for your friends, you know, so (laughs) just kind of making it a little lighthearted that helps get them over to your side a little bit. Yeah. How important is it that I'm paying for my friends to get drunk at my funeral? I'm Greek and we always have the difference between a Greek wedding and a Greek funeral is just one less drunk. You know, people get it. We're all going to go sooner or later. So we need to make sure you take care of these things. That is true. That is true. But that is a hard conversation to have with people. I have a friend who is a uh, insurance advisor here in Canada, and it's difficult because you're having to talk to people about something they really don't want to talk about and they really don't want to spend money on. Exactly. When I do my little sales talks, I, I throw out fill in the blank exercise and the blank is what are you selling? And then ask yourself, But before the blank, it is, I am saving up for blank. Nobody ever says I'm saving up for my funeral or I'm saving up for long-term care expenses. What they're saving up for is a car or a new phone or down payment on a house. That's what people save up for. If, If nobody is saving up for what you're selling, then you're already behind the eight ball a little bit and you're going to have more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. By rule, 
what I've always learned is the easier something is to sell, the, the less the commission is on. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, that is true. That is true. I've had that sales career myself where I was smiling and dialing and making those appointments and knocking on those doors to yeah. sell advertising into the phone book or oh, yeah. That's oil, awesome. oil pipe and pump jacks in, in the oil pack. Nobody ever said they were saving up for oil pipes. The oil companies were. <laughs> it's yeah. always nice when you're selling something that they need. Well, uh, yeah, or mandated, you know. So, yeah. if this, you know, if, you, if you're required to have car insurance, then it's really easy to sell car insurance. Especially when you're the only company on the block. That helps. In British, yeah, in British Columbia, our car insurance is a crown corporation. Well, there you go. It's a tough job. Any, th- any type of selling is tough. Yes. Um, what you have to kind of realize is that you're, you're just selling yourself. And if I can sell myself and I can convince somebody that I'm a normal, decent guy and not just out trying to make a buck, that helps out tremendously. Let's start at the beginning of the sales cycle because the sales cycle, it is a cycle. It is a process. What is something that someone should do right at the beginning? I would, well, it depends on what you're where, when you're saying at the beginning, are, are, have they been hired by a company? Well, or at the just... very beginning. No, okay. <laughs> they, they, they're hired. They have a job. Hired. Okay, so I have a job. My it. job is sales. I have a business and I need to get sales. What's the first thing that I should be investing you, the, time the best, in? First practical thing I would say is sit down and make a list of prospects. Who is going to be your potential audience? If you're selling industrial rivets, then it probably isn't going to make it worth your time to go to a dentist office and talk to him. You know, he's not looking for that. You might need to look for the person that that's looking for those. Mm -hmm. If you can just keep that pipeline filled with prospects, that's a struggle in itself. We always say the hardest part of the job is just finding somebody to talk to sometimes. I remember when I started in the oil patch, selling to the oil patch, I didn't have anything, right? They just said, hey, here's a job. We bring in pipe and pump jacks. You need to go and sell it. And I'm like, I didn't even know anybody in the industry. Yeah, that's crazy. And did you know the industry though? I mean, did you know what they were selling? Well, they they got oil out of the ground and but okay. I, didn't know the mecha- I didn't know the mechanics of it, right? So I went to trade shows and I learned really, really fast about how we get oil out of the ground in Northern Alberta and in Central Alberta and what the differences were, because it is very different. So there is a le- big learning curve there. But when I first started, it was, okay, where are all these companies? And then it was get on that phone, talk to that receptionist with a really pretty voice and be really kind and friendly and ask them who the person was that I needed to yep. talk to. That Write gave- down the name and then go to the next one until I had all those names. It's a grind. You know, you're, you're constantly trying to get past gatekeepers and trying to figure out who to talk to and who you know that might know somebody else that could get you in front of someone. And it's, it's a mental game. It's brutal. I mean, there's people, I know people that have, you know, spent months writing a book and then they send it off to a publisher unsolicited and have them tell them, no, thank you. We aren't looking. And that person go, I'll never write another book again. I mean, some people just aren't wired to be thick skinned, to handle rejection, to, fight through that gatekeeper mm-hmm. to um, persistent and keep going. And, and then they go, why are you so 
you're a high pressure salesperson. And I'm like, I'm trying to make a living here <laughs> and you're not helping me. <laughs> well, there is that high pressure. There's different types of sales, right? Cause so there's the relationship building sales and then there's the soft sell and then there's the high pressure sale. You know, there's all kinds. I mean, there's transactional sales. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go to McDonald's and you say, I'd like a hamburger and they just give you the money, you give them the money and they give you a burger. That's a sale, but there's not really any selling involved. I don't need to know the person's name behind the counter or anything. I just want my burger. Then on the other end, there's relationship sales where you try to build up a little bit of a rapport with somebody. That's great. They'll give you referrals, if nothing else, if you can, you know how to play that game too. That's a whole other skill set. And then there's those people that just are never going to, never going to buy no matter what you do. And and people will not buy from you for so many dumb reasons. I mean, they might not like the color of your hair. If you have facial hair, or if you drive a car that looks funny or whatever, I mean, they'll just kind of invent reasons not to buy from you. I had a guy one time, I had really set a lot of time aside to find an appointment with an attorney. I was wanting to get in front of this attorney and talk to him. The third question this guy asked me, what kind of car do you drive? Why does that matter? And I said, well, and I I drive a Chrysler or whatever it was. And he just, well, I guess that'll do. It was just weird. It was, I've never had anybody ask me questions like that. Oh, well, uh, my friend was back to the oil patch days. Uh, My friend's husband worked for an oil uh, exploration company. I had called that exploration company. I talked to the purchaser and walked in and did my thing and left again. And then a few days later, I was over at my friend's house and her husband goes, yeah, I talked to so-and-so at such and such an office. And he said, yeah, no, I, this girl called this voice. I just had to see her. So I may book the appointment and then she showed up totally what? disappointed. Wow. That's, not- that's called, that's called using your inside voice. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, the guy didn't mean for me to know that. Yeah. <laughs> my friend's thought... husband was very good at oh my goodness. passing on these nuggets of his wisdom towards yeah. That's hilarious. what I did. Yeah. So it oh was funny, but you know, you never know why somebody will buy from you and why somebody won't buy from you. You're co- totally correct about that. You do the best you can. Just try to come off as I live in a resort area. And nobody wears coats and ties here. I, I tell people you're going to get the coat or the tie. You're not going to get both unless I come to your funeral or something like that, you know, but it's, it's like, there's people down here that were like, well, you just don't look professional. You're in shorts and a golf shirt and you're sitting in your office. Let's not be judging McJudgerson here real quick. Okay. You know, let's have a conversation before you start telling me I'm not professional. I had a guy one time tell me I needed to shave my mustache off. In my office, I had a mustache back in the day while he was drinking out of a two liter jug of Coca-Cola, not a glass, just drinking straight out of the big bottle. And I'm like, you're serious, right? (laughs) Everyone has their opinions and they are very good at telling you what they are. Like sales sometimes is all about patience. Yes. So one time I showed up, uh, this was in the phone book uh, directory days. And I asked my manager for help and he sent someone and I get there and I walk in and the guy that my manager sent is fighting with my prospect. I'm like, okay. And we got kicked out. You're out of here. 
get out of here. Don't want anything to do with you. Okay. Well, the next day I go back and I apologize for whatever it was that they did. And I sat there for two hours listening to why they were so pissed off with this particular phone company. Well, two weeks later, I get this phone call. Yeah, we're going to take a full page, full color. My manager was like, how did you get him to buy? I just listened. Yeah. There was a new chamber of commerce that had just opened up here. This was about 20 years ago. And they had splintered off from another one. And I was working with, I don't know if I'm supposed to say the name of a famous insurance company that has a duck. I walked in, I said, well, you know, they're brand new. I'm going to give them a week, let the dust settle. I walked in and this woman just bit my head off. Just what is the deal with you people? You call, come out of the woodwork. She reaches into this cabinet and there was already 10 other reps from that same company had been there and they had all dropped off information. She pulls it out and throws it on the desk. It was a stack pretty high. And I apologized. I said, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I bothered you. I didn't realize they were coming from out of state. Everybody was trying to get this piece of business because there's not a lot of new businesses just falling out of trees out there. So I said, I apologize. I'll never bother you again. About six months later, I'm in a hair salon and I'm talking to this hairdresser and she's washing somebody's hair in a sink, got her rinsed out and everything. And I'm talking to her and she pulls the lady out and it's the one that just yelled at me six months earlier. And she's been listening Mm -hmm. and she says, you know, I'm sorry. I want you to come in next week and we'll set that account up. And all it was, was just a matter of saying, I'm sorry. And getting the hell out of the way yeah. and let the dust settle. She simmered down. She got her hair did, as we say in the South. <laughs> hair, hair did. Got my hair did. So, <laughs> so she felt better, I guess. And I ended up getting that account. And I was the hero in the office for, you know, 24 hours at least. And I got my kudos. But, you know, it, it's just sometimes you just got to get out of the way and let people do what they got to do. I have a a crazy story I like to share sometimes where I I used to sell door-to-door accident insurance out in the middle of the country, very rural areas. And this is when I just, you know, I'd just gotten out of college. I had my London fog coat on. I thought I was really cool. And we're out in the middle of the boonies. And you, you rarely saw people at home because they just weren't home. You had to wait till they came home from work. So I'm riding down the road one day. And I see this giant pickup truck in front of this mobile home. The truck was almost as big as the mobile home. And I and I went down the little dirt road and I was like, great, this guy's home. At least I got somebody to talk to. I pull in and I had we had a very distinctive binder that only we had. Mm-hmm. And the guy recognized it immediately. And he said, are you with such and such company? And he knew and he was mad. And I could tell. And I looked at him and instead of saying yes, I had the wisdom to at least go, well, why would you ask me that? You know, (laughs) and he says, well, I had a claim and they didn't pay it. And I said, well, what kind of claim was it? Well, I had a wart on my foot. And I said, well, sir, this is an accident plan we sell. That's a sickness. That's not an accident. And he said to me, well, I didn't mean to get a ward on my foot. <laughs> I accidentally got a ward on my foot. And he said, and if you stay here, I'm going to go in my house. and I'm going to get my gun and I'm going to shoot you. That's what he told me. No and way. I looked at him and I, and I went, you know, 
I think I hear my mommy calling and I just got in my car and left. I mean, I was like, well, I'm not going to sit down. <laughs> what are you going to do? Try to, I'm not going to try to have a common sense, rational conversation with a guy that wants to pull a gun on me because he thinks his wart was an accident. Cut your losses, move on. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just guy. go knock on the next door. That's, that's all you can do in that point. Just you know? angry. I wasn't and, even, I wasn't even rattled. I was just kind of got in the car and I was like left and I, just kind of was like, whatever, you know, the guy's insane, apparently. Yeah, like I said, just cut your losses, go on to the next one. And that's also why he had to pay for his work, because he didn't really understand. Yeah, he didn't understand. And, 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 you know, the lesson there is somebody needed to, when they sold him that policy, they probably weren't clear with him mm-hmm. on what an accident is, what a sickness is, what's not an accident. These are the things you have to do on the front end of that sale, because he probably would have been a good customer if he hadn't been waving a gun at every agent that ever <laughs> came through there, like Yosemite Sam or something, I don't know. But you bring up a really good point because what that all is, is about managing those expectations up front. Right. The only time we end up with upset customers in sales is when we don't meet their expectations. You're exactly right. But there's another part of that is that when you go for a job interview in sales, how many times do they tell you you're going to make all this money and you're going to it's going to be the best job ever? And boy, are you so good. And we've got the best product. And they make it sound like the expectation your expectations are that you're going to make in six figures. Mm-hmm. And if that was the case. There wouldn't be a 90 percent dropout of sales reps after three years because they haven't managed expectations either. And if that's the guy that is telling you that and he got promoted because he was a good salesperson, what was he telling his clients? Probably the guy that sold that that guy with the war, the accident plan in the first place. So being a good salesperson doesn't necessarily mean you're a good sales manager or a good sales recruiter. Well, a lot of times they what happens is these businesses promote their best salesperson into these management positions. And not only do they lose a good salesperson on the field, the person doesn't know how to build a team, motivate a team or train a team because they're just really good at selling. And that's a skill. Don't get me wrong. Sales is a skill. And for a lot of people, it's a natural born Some people are great at it. Some people, I mean, you can learn it. It's not hard to learn. I tell people all the time, you know, the first thing you have to learn is how to sell yourself. Mm -hmm. I can have the greatest company in the world behind me, but if I'm not selling myself as being a trustworthy person, dependable, I'll answer the phone when you call, whatever. If I'm not getting that message across, then it's not going to matter if I have all the top rated companies in the world behind me. And, th- and, and I've learned that lesson the hard way. Um, I've worked with really big companies who love to tell us how financially strong they are and big rah-rah sessions. And we're supposed to communicate that with the client. And the next thing you know, you go to somebody's house and she's like, well, I bought from this other company. And the, the rule there is you just ask, well, what made you buy from them? Don't say anything bad about the other company. Just say, what, you know, why did you decide to go with that company? And it's never about the company. It's 
the salesperson was nice to me. She took her time. She didn't give me any high pressure. She let me talk to my kids about it, whatever. And I liked her. It's never the company. And the company that this lady had bought insurance from was not a real awesome company. I mean, they weren't anything bad about it. They just weren't a strong, financially strong company like ours, but that didn't matter to her. Mm -hmm. She wanted to make sure that that lady took time with her and helped her and didn't pressure her and all those things. So when you're selling yourself, that helps you right there so much get out of the way before you try selling a product or a service any day of the week. So that that's the big rule. Um, just knowing what you're selling, knowing that you're selling yourself, mm-hmm. you are your brand, your brand is you, your name. You know, I tell people all the time when people hear Chris Costanis, what are they going to think of? I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Have, has anybody ever said, well, you're in sales. Why don't you help us sell this other product on the side? Oh, yeah. Have you ever had that one? When I was a salesperson. Yeah, yeah. I'll be at church and they'll have a raffle and they'll say, well, give uh, Chris extra tickets because he can sell them. He's out, you know, and it's like that's I'm out trying to sell my insurance products. I don't have time to go hit up people for buy raffle tickets or the other one is multi-level marketing. Oh, yes. Uh, You know, hey, you're really good at sales. Why don't you sell these protein shakes? over here. And I'm like, my name is my brand. And when I, when somebody hears Chris, what do they think? I want them to think insurance, financial services. I don't, that waters it down when all of a sudden it's, oh, and that's the guy. Oh yeah. That's my insurance guy. And he sells protein shakes on the side. Mm -hmm. Nothing against it. If that's what you want to do, but you're watering down your name and your brand when you do that. Now, the other end of that is if you want to spend that time working with a civic organization or a nonprofit, the inversely will help you. That's my insurance guy. He does a lot of work with the cancer center or that's my insurance guy. He helps out with the youth at the local rec center. Mm-hmm. That actually helps. But if you're trying to sell some other product or you have a little side hustle that you're out there promoting as well, it really can water down your name and your brand tremendously. So how long is he going to be here? Is he going to be here when I need him or is he going to be selling shakes when I need him? Exactly. And that's the, and you have that thought goes in the back of your head when somebody says, Oh, by the way, I'm doing this a little bit on the side too. Like I said, if it's something that's helping other people, like I'm doing a fundraiser for my church or whatever, that's not going to hurt you. If, unless you're at the church of Satan or something, I guess, but yeah it is true because it's people put you in a box and they, they do and that that's oh. a good way of putting it and and that's why i said you gotta have you gotta realize that your name is your brand mm-hmm. and you have to ask yourself constantly what do people think of when they hear your name are you a great podcaster are you an insurance agent now, if you have something that nobody knows about, say you have a little side gig and you're just posting stuff and selling on eBay and you're and nobody's ever going. You, you can hide behind an avatar with that brand. Right. Or if you're employed and you're employed doing operations for a company and yet you'll go out and sell on the weekends, that's okay because that's two different things. Right. And you're not going to damage your career hopefully 
you're, right. you, you know, I will tell you how I got my, my ex fired, but uh, the, <laughs> if you're in operations and you're selling on the weekends, you're not going to get fired from your job because you're doing it on your own time. And it has nothing, as long as you're not selling the exact same product as your co- the company you work for, you're, you're fine. It, the, well, the great thing with the insurance people here in Canada is that their regulations don't allow them to go and sell anything else. So if anyone comes up and says, hey, you want to be an MLM? They have to go, uh, no, I'm licensed. I'm a licensed professional and that is not allowed. Yeah. And I don't want to lose my license. So thank you very much. But and no, it's always a great way to get out of that too. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to get out of it. It's a great way to, to remove yourself from that situation without making the other person feel bad and the other person can still become an insurance client or a financial client. Yeah. Offset of that is, of course, it's so hard to sell life insurance. And although you're a great salesperson, nobody really wants to buy that product, but yet you're not allowed to go sell anything else. <laughs> yeah. With life insurance here, we can do it. But if you have a securities license, you're, the securities people really frown upon those other income streams. Yeah. With me, for instance, because I sell life insurance, my side hustle, and I do have one, is, you know, I've written a book on sales and I have a, I do a little sales seminar thing and I go talk to real estate groups and things like that and just basic sales techniques and share stories about people pulling guns on you about warts and things. So that's in line with what you do. That if that's part of my brand, I'm fine with that. Well, that's that guy. He's an insurance guy, but he also does some speaking that's great. It's not going to, it's not going to water me down so much. And they kind of complement each other because I'm talking about sales and I'm in sales. Yeah. Rather than I'm talking about sales, but now I'm going to go talk to the garden club about weeds or whatever. It's something we have to do as individuals all the time. I think if you're in business, what, what do people think of when they hear my name and be honest with yourself? You know, I'd love to say, well, people hear my name and they, they smile and grin ear, ear to ear. And Chris is the greatest guy ever. And when you're in sales, it's important what you do in your personal life, as well as your business life. Because if you're known as the guy that is in the bar all the time or the town drunk, yet you're sober or functional when you're selling, it still can come off as distrustful, especially when you're selling a product that has to do with financial services. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and there's those people out there. They don't want to, I know that guy, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I've had that assessment with myself and uh, not about alcohol. I mean, <laughs> I don't, when people see me, what do they really think of? Cause I remember uh, about 10, 12 years ago, I had really just thrown myself into the deep end of the pool on, on this insurance. And it got to the point where every time I, I mean, I was just excited. I was enthused about it. And I, every time I saw anybody, I'd just like, let me tell you about what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And it took me about, I don't know, a month or two before I just started reading body language and mm-hmm. they'd see me coming and people were like, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy, you know? And, and I was just coming across as too salesy and yeah. too, I wasn't just like trying to make a commission. It was like, let me show you this program. This is awesome. Just because I'm excited about it doesn't mean everybody else is. And, and those are the kind of, realistic <laughs> truthism kind of things you have to say to yourself. <laughs> so when you're in a networking situation and you meet somebody new, what are some tips that you can give people when they walk into that room? This is a great tip I learned years ago. 
Okay, so when I when I joined the Chamber of Commerce, for instance, there was a lady that was the head of membership, and she would tell people, bring your business cards to all the Chamber after hour events mm-hmm. or, and bring them and hand them out like you're dealing cards. And, and you know, business cards are expensive. Nobody ever gets a business card and goes, oh, my goodness, I've been waiting all my life to see you. Where have you been, baby? Doesn't happen. There's certain sentences that people never say, and that's one of them. <laughs> the other one is a uh, hand me a piano, and, you know, or cut off my legs, please. And, you know, so what I do is I turn it around a little bit. And, and a guy told me this. He had been in the business for years. He said, instead of giving your card out, ask people for their card. Yep. And what you do is because in, in my game, it's mostly like just trying to get an appointment. I just want to meet with them. I'll take them out and buy them a cup of coffee, whatever. So what I'll do is I'll say, hey, Shannon, I don't have any cards on me. Do you have your card? And oh, I did that all the time. And I'll say, let me get your card and I'll give you a call tomorrow. And we'll just set up a time to grab some coffee next week. Mm-hmm. How's that sound? They're fine with it. They know when I call the next day, they know why I'm calling. They know who it is. And they know that we're going to go get some coffee. That technique works probably 90% of the time, mm-hmm. opposed to, here's my card. Give me a call when you need some insurance. Die of loneliness, you know? Yeah. The, the key phrase I just left out is, I'll give you a call and we can talk when it's more appropriate. Yeah. Because you're at a chamber after hours or you're at a networking group and there's a lot of just social visiting people and things. I haven't seen you in a while, blah, blah, blah. There's free beer or kebabs or whatever. But if you can say, you know, let me get your card. I'll give you a call tomorrow. We'll set up a time where we can talk and it's more appropriate time. People are like, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'll throw in my extra little secret tip that I, I only share with a few people. This <laughs> you realize no this charge. is a podcast, right? <laughs> this, is, this is no extra charge. <laughs> but what I do is I'll say, how about if we go out and grab a cup of coffee? You do like coffee, right? And they go, yeah. And that way they don't know if they've said yes to, do they like coffee or do we're going to go out and have an appointment? It's called this question within the question. <laughs> so I'll say like, hey, you know, Shannon, let's go out and I'll call you tomorrow. We'll get a cup of coffee. You do like coffee, right? Yeah. It's a done deal. Yeah. I got you down for three o'clock, whatever. And that's all you do. And I used to keep my appointment book just filled like that pre-COVID <laughs> when we could actually have networking events. Yes. So, but I, I still teach that technique to people. And I go, you go to a chamber of commerce after hours or a networking thing, make a goal. I want to come out of this thing with five cards or 10 cards or however many and make that your goal. Make it a game and see how many you come out with and then see how many appointments you can book on the back end with that. And it really makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a it's a good one. Well, the thing with sales is it is a numbers game. It is a be in front of people talking, telling them stories, giving them reasons to buy, building that relationship with them in order to garner that feeling. You're trying to get them to have that pleasant feeling when you're in the room with them. And then that's what they're really buying. And it is. And just letting them be at ease because what's the first thing people do when they hear you're in sales is they put up the defenses and they say, I, you know, I don't want to talk to you. You're just here trying to make me buy something. And I'm like, yeah, but it's something that's beneficial. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, my, my old man was the guy that was, you know, hey, I had a sales guy come in the office today and I threw him out. Ha ha ha. You know, he thought that was an accomplishment. And I'm like, I'm in sales. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> my dad does that to me a bit sometimes. And I got to go, oh, well, guess what? Yeah, it, it's, it, you know, some people think that they just get defensive, but if you, you just got to bring down the temperature in the room and, and get them to relax and just to lighten the mood. I mean, there's been times I have literally gone down the side of the road, seen a little mobile home with a with a light on and two cars out and it's six o'clock at night. And these people have just gotten home from work. They don't know me from Adam. And I've come out of there with a check. I wasn't high pressure. Last thing in their mind, 30 minutes prior to that was buying any insurance or anything. But I just went in, said, look, you know, I'm out here. It's cold. I'm lonely. You know, <laughs> whatever. can I come in and talk to you and just show you this? And if not, that's we're, we're still friends. And they were like, sure, whatever. The kids were running around. And, and next thing you know, I got a check in my hand. I had people feed me lunch that had never seen me before. I just kind of went in and said, hey, just want to come by and say hey and introduce myself. No pressure. Just came by to say hello and welcome me to the neighborhood. And the next thing you know, they're taking me out and buying me a, a lunch. Being able to feel comfortable in your own skin, selling yourself, not being a jerk or whatever, and just being nice to people and be sincere. And just, it's not a skill set that you can't learn, you know? No, it's not a skill set that you can't learn because it is about having conversations. It is about, like I said, there is a sales cycle. There is a buyer's journey. And as long as you understand that buyer's journey and you understand that these are the common objections that people have and these are the way to overcome those objections. And here's the stories that you're going to tell and you walk in and you're prepared and you ask them questions to understand their needs and then present them with the option that fulfills those needs, yes, you're going to be successful a certain percentage of time. Right. And the more you get, the more you do it, the more practice you get, the more percentage, higher and higher that percentage gets. Exactly. And, And I'll tell you a great little tip there is if you know what the objections are going to be ahead of time, Mm-hmm. and you present them first, then that lets that client know, oh, okay, he already knows where my pain point is. And okay. I thank you so much. Hey, thank <laughs> you. And if listener, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and you learned something new. Sales is one of those tricky things that we put more thought into What you thought of today's episode. Peel out.